0: Good morning. Get everything lined up here. The first thing that I want to do this morning is take just a moment and thank everybody that had anything to do with hosting or feeding or giving rides to those young people that were with us last week. Um, what a great week it was for those who took the time to get to know those folks and to serve and fellowship and and again get to know those those young people, those four that were here, Sarah and Michaela and Joshua and Jacob who came to knock doors for us. And I want to take just a moment and Remind you of what's in the bulletin. If you're one of the people that have signed up to teach or one of the teams that have signed up to teach, folks, I want to encourage you uh, before the day is over today. I see two have already signed up. But I've got a list out there on the bulletin board of the 15 people that said they would like a Bible study and the six that said that they might. I'm going to ask you to go over that list. Sign your name if you've already signed up and said that you would teach or if you're somebody who hasn't signed up would still like to teach. Like for you to go ahead and sign your name beside of where it says yes on that sheet. You'll already see that two people have done that or two two teams have done that. Sign up beside of where it says yes. That means that you will take responsibility for making personal contact with that person. Now tonight I will have their survey sheets all here and so if you sign up to take person number one or 14 or whatever uh, I will see that you get their survey sheet and that will allow you maybe some additional insight I would like to stress personal contact if it is somebody that you know uh, please by all means let's do this they found 21 people uh, most of which said they would be interested in a Bible study Please sign up and take responsibility for contacting that person. Now, obviously, if you're a lady and you run into a situation where it's a lady and her husband, but she's the one that took the survey, come back to me. We'll rearrange. We'll redo it. We'll we'll make it work. Um, But again, I I appreciate all of that. But I want to go back to these four young people. I want to go back to Sarah and Michaela and Joshua and Jacob for just a minute. What, What wonderful young folks they were. Just fantastic. Fantastic. You know, Wednesday, after they had knocked a lot of doors and walked a lot of miles, um... In order for them to get back home, back down to Lawton, it was suggested to them after lunch. In fact, it was somewhat encouraged that maybe they ought to just take Wednesday afternoon off, drive in the daylight, not stay here for Bible class and and go through all of that, or even stay later into the uh, afternoon. And the feedback from them was, we would feel like we had cheated. We're here to knock doors, so we're going back out. And I just thought, what, what quality. It was wonderful to have uh, Jacob in our home. As a matter of fact, I have a card. I didn't post it because I'm going to keep this with my stuff. I might post it, but not for long. Uh, for all of you, it says, aw, thanks. And it's got Mickey Mouse on the front. It says, you couldn't have been any nicer. They all signed it. Thank you for letting us door knock. Love, Sarah. Thank you all for everything. You all are such an encouragement. Michaela thank you guys for all you do keep it up Joshua thanks for all the food and housing Jacob they counted it a pleasure and a privilege to be here to knock doors with us great kids I can call them kids cuz I'm getting closer to 60 every day so they're kids um, in fact something else that I want to stress before we get into the lesson is the first day that they were here um, Jacob and Joshua Introduced the idea of their doing devotionals in the morning before they all headed out. They brought it up. I didn't have to. Uh, They brought it up and they did all of the devos and some of those devos were fairly lengthy. They wanted to do devotionals in the morning before we headed out and I thought that was fantastic. So, you know, sometimes we hear things about young people in the church and certainly there's a lot of young people doing a lot of wonderful things and, and God bless them and may we continue to pray for them. Now... This morning's lesson actually centers around one of those devotionals, or I got the inspiration from one of those morning devotionals that was done by by Joshua, actually. And so this morning, from his lesson, we are going to consider what it means to be complete. Complete in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as we know... The word complete means perfect. It means finished. If something is completed, it's done. It's finished. Perfected, full, filled up. Another way we might use the word complete, it means lacking nothing. And that's how I kind of want us to think about it this morning. Lacking nothing. Nothing. In the book of Colossians, from whence our scripture reading came, we're going to spend a lot of time there this morning if you'd open back up to the book of Colossians. This word complete is seen three times in the book of Colossians. It is seen in the beginning, seen in the end, and it's seen in the middle. I want to look at where it is seen in the beginning, and I will be reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 28, but I'll be reading it from the New American Standard Version, because it actually translates the word complete in there, where some of the others use a different rendering. Colossians 1:24 through 28 in the New American Standard Version. Paul writes to our brethren in the first century Church of Christ there in Colossae, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions of this church that is the Lord's body the Lord's church the church of Christ of this church Paul says I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully Carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known. God wanted you to know this, Paul says. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Paul says, what God wants you to know is this magnificent, awesome, incredible gift of glory that you have been given. You Gentiles are now welcome in Christ. Now watch the next couple of sentences. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in. Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I want us not to miss the point here that Paul tells you the reason for everything he went through. Now, I'm not going through all of Paul's tribulations. We know Paul's life story pretty well. But Paul says in this passage the reason I endure all that affliction, the reason I went through all that suffering, the reason I do all of this is to present every man complete in christ look at that sentence again how often he uses the phrase every man we proclaim him admonishing every man number one and teaching teaching notice every man as the second time that phrase occurs with all wisdom so that we may present every man third time complete in christ again let me say he said teaching people and making them complete in christ is why he went through everything he went through that was his top priority, was to teach every man that they might become complete in Christ. That is the reason the Apostle Paul went through all that he went through. Brethren, that's the reason that we must reach out and teach everybody we possibly can as well, to present them before God, complete in Christ, we see this word complete once again at the end of the epistle to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. Again, it's on both ends and in the middle, this word complete in the book of Colossians. Colossians four twelve and 13, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you... A bondservant of Christ, as we know, a bondservant is one who willfully put himself as a slave or a servant of another. It was willfully that he did this. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you. Now watch this. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Now, you see the word complete there? We see Epaphras as he is defined as this person who is a bondservant of Christ. But notice, notice how much Epaphras wants them complete. He he is zealous for them. Verse thirteen. Like we need to be zealous to reach the lost. We need to be zealous to reach them that we might be able to present them complete in Christ. And look what Epaphras does, wanting to make them complete. He labored fervently for them in prayer. Do you remember Wednesday night when we went over the list of the fifteen and the the six? Remember what I asked you to? I had a couple. At least one. I think maybe two, but at least one. That was four days ago and I've slept since then. But I had at least one ask me on the way out about going to these people now. And I said, please don't do that. I said, please go home and spend some time in prayer first. First. We'll do this on Sunday. We'll assign people. We'll, we'll have you sign up. I'll get the sheet ready. But in our evangelism class, one of the things I said it was this. Months, well, weeks ago anyway. I said, look... Before you go talk to a particular person about God, you first need to talk to God about that person. You need to raise that person up in prayer that their heart might be softened. I mean, we're not talking about chance encounters, but when you go to reach out to somebody specifically, go to God in prayer and talk to God about that person first before you go to that person to talk about God. And he says here that Epaphras labored fervently for these people in prayer. Now, yes, he's talking about Christians. I understand that. But at the same time, if we want to present people complete, we need to labor fervently in our prayers for them. Now I want us to understand before we get to the third and final occurrence of the word complete in Colossae, I want us to understand what was going on in the congregation there. And so I'm going to read to you from Brother James Burton Kaufman who explains the problem that was going on in Colossae. And it it relates to us I believe as well. Or at least we're going to relate it to us. There was a problem in the congregation in Colossae. There was a problem that Paul was addressing, and Brother Kaufman explains it this way. He says, False teachers, or a false teacher, had come among them and had greatly hindered the prosperity of the church. The main source of all their false teaching lay in an old eastern dogma that all matter is evil and its source is also evil if this were true God who is in no way evil could not have created matter this is what they were teaching God could not have created matter because all matter is evil and God's not evil therefore God couldn't have done this this was the false teaching the false teaching continued and since our bodies are matters they are evil And God could not have created our bodies. From this notion that our bodies are evil, two extremes of error arose. Number one, that only by various ascetic practices, and that means punishing our own body, can we hope to save our body. We see that addressed in Colossians 2 verses 20 and 23. The second false doctrine that occurred out of this Gnosticism, as it's called, was that since the body is evil, none of its deeds are to be accounted for. In other words, you're not responsible for the evil you do. Don't worry about it. License was therefore granted to evil conduct, and evil passions were indulged at pleasure and without impunity chapter 3 verses 5 through 8 of Colossians addresses this because they thought all matter was evil and your body's evil you can go indulge in anything you want and you're not responsible because your body's evil this is what the false teachers were teaching this is what Paul addresses in Colossians 3 verses 5 through 8 brother Kaufman continues In seeking to find relief from their condition, they formulated two additional false doctrines. Number three... An exclusive theory, which was a doctrine of secrets and initiation, which Paul addresses in Colossians 2, verses 2, 3, and 8. By this doctrine, they said that the remedy for man's condition was known only to a few, and to learn this secret, one must be initiated into their company. It's sort of like the Catholic Church's hierarchy, that the only people that can understand the Bible is their hierarchy, that secret little few, and so you have to go to them in order to get the truth. This is is what these people were teaching, and that was a third false doctrine addressed by Paul's epistle to the Colossians. And finally, in fourth that since god could not have been the creator of such sinful bodies they could not therefore come to him for blessing so they formulated in their false doctrinal theory a series of intermediary beings such as angels that must have created us and whom we must worship you know when you start down that road that you deny the authority of christ all sorts of weird things have to be formulated in order to justify your position The Apostle Paul addressed that in Colossians 2 and verse 18. Brother Kaufman concludes, All these false theories conspired to limit the greatness and authority of Jesus Christ and to limit the efficiency of redemption in him. Colossians 2, 9, and 10. The whole point of the Colossian letter is because these people had come in with all of these false doctrines, They said, you need something besides Jesus. You need these, because your body's evil, you're not responsible for what you do anyway, but if you're going to reach God, you can't go through Jesus. You need to go through these spirit beings instead of Jesus because God couldn't have created you anyway, and your body, and they got all tangled up in all of this stuff, and they said they were the only ones that knew the secret, and so on and so forth. Became a meltdown mess. So Paul writes to Colossians, he wants them to know something. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus came and died for you as God's son. And the only thing you need is Jesus Christ and him alone. You don't need all this other stuff they're bringing in. It's only going to lead you to more and more circles and chaos and confusion. All you need to do is stick with Jesus Christ and his word. And his word gives you everything you need to make you, guess what? Complete. Complete. Turn with me and we will see this whole thing now developed by the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2. Everything I've said up to this point you will see reflected in these first 10 verses. You know the history, the background, the reason it was written. Look at this in Colossians 2 and verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged. These false doctrines were causing a lot of confusion and, and chaos and disillusion. And he says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and of Christ. Paul said what I'm trying to get across to you what will strengthen you and encourage you is to know and understand who God is who Jesus Christ is and to fully assure you that in your knowledge of God and Christ if you know what their word says you got everything you need and you don't need to be bothered by all this other stuff that sounds so wacky to you my paraphrase. He continues. Let me read again from the middle of verse 2. Attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom now watch this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is nothing you need to know that you cannot find In God and Jesus Christ and their word. There's nothing outside of that. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other doctrine. There's no other way. All you need to make you all sufficient and complete. All of it. Is hidden. In the wisdom and knowledge of Christ. Now, Paul says, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Verse 4. Now I say this. Or now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. There's going to be those people, Paul says, you already know who they are. They've come in. Their arguments sound really slick. Their arguments are very persuasive. If you're not careful and don't stick with just the word of God, they're going to get you. He said they're persuasive. Don't let them deceive you with persuasive words and tell you you need something other than Jesus. There is nothing else. Remember what he said in Colossians chapter 1, in verses 16 through 18, about how... Everything belonged to Christ. He was there in the beginning. He was the creator. He's the head of the church. And in verse 19, all the fullness of of the Godhead dwelt within him. He's already established who Christ is. But then he goes on to say this in verse 6. Or verse 5. For though I am absent, Colossians 2, 5, in the flesh, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. They They were hanging in there. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What's Paul's message in verse 6? Look, you received Christ. You obeyed the gospel. You became Christians. God had everything you needed laid right out there for you. He gave Christ on the cross. You obeyed the gospel. Everything you needed to become a Christian, you've already already gotten into the faith. Well, guess what? What? God not only provided everything you needed to become a Christian and to get into Christ and to get into the faith, but if He did that, and you know He did because you're already Christians, He's got everything you need to keep you there. That's what He means when He says in verse 6, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Continue on with what you've already taken advantage of. Verse 7, Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, beware. Jacob said that he thinks every house in this town has got at least two dogs. Some of them have four or five and some of them got big dogs. You know, when you walk up to a house knock a door and there's a sign there about that big that says beware and you can hear the dog on the other side of the fence moving it chances are you probably hand out open the gate and go wandering in beware means watch out careful don't cross this line be wary of look out danger danger Paul's using it right here danger danger verse 8 beware look out lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Let me read that again. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. Don't forget that line. It's going to come in real handy here in just a minute. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in Christ, first 9, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, here's our word, and you are complete in Him. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are rooted and established in the faith, the one faith once delivered for all the saints, Jude 3, if you're walking in the light, if you've been baptized into Christ and you're in Christ and you're in the faith and you're in His church... You got everything you need to stand what? Complete before God. There's no other source. There's no other venue. There's no other avenue. There's no other way to be complete before God except this. But if you are in Christ, in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. You're complete. You got all you need. And folks, we know that God's word and God's word alone, according to God's word and God's word alone is all we need to stand complete before Christ 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17 we know why we know all scripture is inspired by God or God breathed and we know what it's for to help us to make us able to stand complete on the day of judgment is that right that is right but you know just like many in first century Colossae There are many today in 21st century Cleveland who also believe in many other things other than the all-sufficient word of the living God ...as a basis for their spiritual life or completeness or good standing before God. Did you know that? I mean, it's hard for us to believe because we understand that all Scripture is given by God and that we have everything we need in Christ to stand complete before God. We don't need anything else. There is nothing else. There's nothing that can compare. We understand it. But did you know that in this town, there's a lot of people who believe in a lot of other things that they believe will make them complete to stand before God, just like there were, apparently, these teachers coming into First. Colossae, for example. Question number three on the surveys was what would you say the basis of your spiritual life is? Now this is a question that was asked to many respondents over the course of a three day door knocking campaign. What would you say the basis of your spiritual life is? I want to give you some of these answers and you, you see if it doesn't sound like maybe what they were facing there in first century Colossae. What is the basis of your spiritual life? That is to say, what what do you believe make you complete to stand before God, if I may use that wording? One response was, live a good life. Live a good life. Apparently they've never read about Cornelius, who, although he was a devout man that gave alms and prayed to God, he still needed to be baptized into Christ, Acts 10. Another response was, what is the basis of your spiritual life? The answer was, Jesus slash parts of the Bible. Parts of the Bible. Now, The contradiction for me, the thing that immediately comes to mind is for somebody to say, the basis of my spiritual life is Jesus and parts of the Bible. That's a contradiction because Jesus himself said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you can't say, if you believe in Jesus, that you only believe in parts of the Bible because Jesus said that every word of the Bible is what we must live by so either you don't believe in Jesus though you claim to or you don't understand or something let me move on what is the basis of your spiritual life other responses Catholic another response my mother's faith. when asked what the basis of their spiritual life was another respondent replied with the word open open Another responded, my belief. And to me, that says, and I, I, don't, I, I wasn't there, I don't need to put words in anybody's mouth, I truly don't. When somebody says, when I ask them, what is the basis of your spiritual life, or you're standing before God, or believing you're complete, or however you want to put that, and they say, my beliefs. It's like, I can believe whatever I want, you can believe whatever you want. So, what if your belief and mine's totally different? other responses I don't believe in I don't believe in everything in the Bible another response what is the basis of your spiritual life nature personal spiritual life this person did not want a bible study but admitted they have questions and their religious background is mormon jehovah's witness and baptist no wonder they're confused moving on Another response, what is the basis of your spiritual life? This is a person that responded that they went to a particular church, but their answer was Buddha. Another one said that they believed in the King Charles Version. I kid you not. Another one said, when asked what the basis of their spiritual life was, many truths apparently not familiar with John 17 17 where our Lord Jesus said sanctify them in truth your word is truth there are not many truths God's word is truth The Bible says in Romans 3 4 let God be true and every man a liar let me move on there was another one when asked what the basis of their spiritual life was they said they do not believe in life after death their spiritual life is non-existent and they believe in research I'm not making this up. My imagination's not that good. When given a choice, which they were to answer that question, Bible or other? One of them said other books and studies. The basis for their spiritual life is not the Bible. It's other books and studies. This is what we're dealing with. Not all that much different from Colossi, is it? When he talks about philosophy and commandments of men, and all of these other things in response to question number four which was what would you say is the most important verse in scripture for the basis of your spiritual life one person responded that their most important verse in scripture for the basis of their spiritual life was all people are created equal that's sad As you know, that's not a Bible verse, that's a document verse. We look at some of these answers of some of these people and we think, wow, but you know what? I'm gonna to top it off with this. I got a news story yesterday. It's not just people out there in the world that are confused, but people out there in worldly denominations as well. I've got this, I can forward it to anybody that wants it. If you think I'm making this up, I'm not. Again, I'm not that I don't have that big an imagination. I get a news feed back there that um, I've gotten ever since we moved here on the computer. It's from One News Now, a news organization. And yesterday afternoon, Friday afternoon, March the 16th, there was a story there. And I'm going to read you the first part of it. It used to be assumed that if you claimed to be a Baptist, you believed what the Bible says about Jesus being the only way to come to the Father. But that's not the case at a Baptist megachurch in New York City. Pastor Michael Wellrand has grown First Corinthian Baptist Church in Harlem from 350 members to over 10,000 in the last 14, 14 years. church growth has gone from 350 to 10,000 people. The article continues, the church calls them disciples, but with theology like this, which goes against fundamental Christian orthodoxy, it's unlikely they'll become disciples of Jesus. All I would say about that is the way it should have been worded was the church calls them disciples, but with theology like this, which goes against the Bible, it's unlikely they'll become disciples of Jesus. Walrond says, listen to this, Baptist pastor. There was a time where you could see people in the pulpit say, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. That's insanity in many ways because that is not what Jesus even Believed, Pastor Walrond indicated he doesn't want to exclude anyone. He said, the key is, do you believe in God? And whatever your path is to God, I celebrate that personally. I celebrate that. In other words, if you want to believe that the path to God is Muhammad, that it's nature, if you want to believe the path to God is Buddha or atheism or whatever you want to believe, that's fine. There's many different paths to God, according to him. What did Jesus say in John 14 and verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man, he said it once, I said it twice, comes to the Father except through me. What did he say in John 10? I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the way. He is the door. He is the gate. There is no other way. And yet, this Baptist pastor thinks there's another way. In the first century Colossae. They were coming in with their philosophy and their asceticism and their bodily worship of uh, their bodily uh, punishment they were coming in with the worship of angels they were saying you've got you to be part of this philosophy you've got to come to us there's another way we've got to add to this and Paul is saying no 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 no, no, Jesus is all you need man hasn 't changed a whole lot in two thousand years, has he? People out there today believe there's a lot of different ways you know just saying but I think it's been proven by this gentleman in Harlem growing the church from 350 to 10,000. We could grow the church here and fill the pews if we wanted to accept anything and everything and say everybody's fine no matter what. But we're never going to do that. Because our souls are too important. I'd rather be a church of two than be a church of two million that's going the wrong direction. Moving on. At the same time, while we have absolutely everything we will ever need to make us complete, as we've already covered, in Christ and in His Word, it is a process. It is a process. we got everything we need, but it is a process. We still must continue forward and have faith enough to act on God's Word if we would take advantage of its ability to carry us to completeness. Completeness means finishing or bringing all the way to fruition that which we have started. Philippians 1 in verse 6. And it means not stopping. The word complete means not stopping until we have brought to fruition or finished or completed. Despite all the difficulties that we may encounter along the way, being complete means going all the way and not stopping until we've finished. Look with me in your Bibles this morning in 2 Corinthians, and we will see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Despite the difficulties... Despite the problems, despite the issues, despite the time sacrifice or the money sacrifice or whatever kind of sacrifice it is, being complete in Christ is something we're given the ability to do, but we must complete the process. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This church was dirt poor. They were poor with four O's. They were terribly poor, but they begged Paul. He said, let us help. We we don't have anything, but we want to help. And they, they surpassed all expectation. In giving. And it was financial here, but we're going to apply it a little different here in a minute. Continue with me. Verse 5, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. People who are devoted to God keep on going no matter what. No matter the difficulties, no matter what. They keep on going to completion just like these saints did. Verse 6, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. If you're going to start it, you need to finish it. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What does he mean when he says that? He means that just like Titus did in verse 6, you got to finish what you started. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now watch these next two verses. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began And were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. What's Paul telling them? It ain't going to do you any good if you don't finish what you started. You had this desire back then. We've been working on this a year. You had this desire. You had this want to. And, and it just didn't get finished. But, but all that desire and all, everything you want to do for Christ financially here in this book, talking to the Corinthian church, he said everything you wanted to do, it's not going to amount to anything unless you finish it. Brethren, you can see how this is applying. You can see where it's going. We've been talking now for months about evangelism. We've been talking since January, I believe it was, about having a door-knocking campaign. We had this desire to find people to study with. We've heard it said, and and we want to do it, and it's our responsibility as Christians to reach out and to find people to study the Word of God. We've prayed. I've heard men pray. We want to see this building full of people. We've been working on this. Well, guess what? All that's... Not worth anything if we don't finish what we started. It's pointless, fruitless, useless, worthless, vain. Just like worship according to the commandments of men. It, it doesn't do any good. None of it's worth anything unless we finish what we started. We must complete the doing of it. Not just desire it. Not just sit around and talk about it. Not just discuss how good it would be to see these pews full. Not just pray about it, but do something with it. Finish the work. Completion is what the Bible is all about. Such completeness is only accomplished when there is a willingness to sacrifice our most prized possession for the sake of heaven, Matthew 19 and verse 21. For many of us, that may be comfort. For some of us, it may be time. Such completeness is only accomplished by those who allow their trials, failures, setbacks, and tests of faith to make them lean ever more on and get stronger and closer to the God who strengthens them through it all. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We must allow our trials to strengthen us. If we've tried to reach out or study with somebody before and it's failed, we need to sit back and say, okay, I failed. Why did I fail? How much of that was my fault? What do I change? What do I do different to help ensure that I don't fail this time? That's the point. It's the same thing our trials do. They give us wisdom, James 1 2 through 4. And finally, such completeness is only accomplished where there is spiritual maturity that allows us all to get on the same spiritual page. And all be of the same spiritual mind and all striving together towards the same spiritual goal. 1 Corinthians 1.10 and Philippians 1. 27 through two three. The church needs to pull together in the same direction. That's a sign of maturity and only in that way will we be bringing this mission to completeness. Completeness is what we have in Christ. Completeness is what we have access to in the written word of God. And completeness is what we become when we follow them both faithfully, finishing what we started. No matter the difficulty. So, what the Apostle Paul did with his life, didn't he? Second Timothy four, seven through eight. What did he say? He'd finished the race, right? He'd finished the race. He, he completed what he had started. And it's what he understood and instructed all Christians must do to stand complete in Christ before God. If you're still right there in 2 Corinthians, flip over a couple of pages to chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Look what he says. He understood all Christians need to do this. They need to finish what they started. From the day they were baptized forward. 2 Corinthians 13. It is a process beginning at verse 8. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you may be made complete. Paul knew it was a process. He knew it was going to take time, but they had to keep going. Therefore, and we know what the therefore is therefore, verse 10. The reason, therefore, I write these things being absent, lest... Being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell, become complete. You have got to finish your Christian walk. You have got to finish your Christian mission. You have got to finish what you started. You have got to be complete. Become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you. If we want God with us, then we have got to be of good comfort, be of the same mind, live in peace, work together, strive together. That's how we become, verse 11, complete. Final passage of this morning. We see it once again in First Thessalonians. Please turn there and we will close. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we see this same message of completeness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul repeats it again, verses 21 through 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, verse 21, Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. God wants to see you make it all the way to heaven. God, who began a good work in you, is going to continue to work in you as much as you will let him to carry it on to completion. The day you are baptized into Christ and you begin this Christian walk, God wants you to complete that all the way into heaven. That's what being complete means. But in that process, in that overall process, there's several, many, little missions along the way that we must complete, like steps. There are things that we must do. We must start the walk, obviously, by hearing the word and and believing what we hear and being willing to confess Jesus and be willing to repent of our sins and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. That's where it starts. And then from there on, we are to live faithfully. We are to continue to complete those missions that God gives us. And He has given us a mission here in Cleveland. We've started something. We cannot afford to let it fizzle or fade or fall or falter. We've started something. We need to complete it. This morning, if you have need to be baptized into Christ in just a moment, you have that opportunity to make it known as we stand and sing. If you're somebody who's teetering on the brink of maybe being willing to teach somebody and you just need the strength, you need us to pray for you, we will be willing to do that, be happy to do that. And if you're somebody that's signed up to teach, please do not forget on the way out to take one of those names and go after it. This morning, if there's any way that the church can help you to become more complete in any of those ways, will you please come to the front as we stand and sing.